Welcome to episode one of the Tea and the Toast. Today we will have a sit-down discussion with Dr. Carlton of the Montgomery County Public Schools in Maryland to discuss what their schools have been doing since March of 2020 when there was a massive school shutdown due to the coronavirus. We also take a look at a school district in California and examine a virtual learning school for grades 7 through 12 implemented prior to the pandemic. We will listen to excerpts of a webinar where Dr. Michael Matsuda, the superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District, explains his philosophy on riding the wave. Get us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. are listening to a podcast series hosted by the Annie Eckloff Institute, promoting integrative multimedia support with a student-centered approach when a traditional classroom is just not enough. The Annie Eckloff Institute provides virtual support for social learning anxiety, new learners, learners with disabilities, and thinking that is considered out of the box. Because life does not have to feel like a sinking ship. Good morning, Dr. Carlton. Good morning. I'm going to go ahead and get started with the questions that I want to ask you, and then I want to share a little bit about a, a, a school in California and see what your thoughts are about what they are proposing for their schools. Please share with our listeners what it is that you do. Uh, I am a staff development teacher as well as um, a coordinator of special programs. Um, Those two positions, um, the staff development one, I work with teachers to coach them on uh, best practices, technology tools, um, learning uh, different pedagogy, um, doing some type of coaching around you know, student needs and student profiles, um, being able to help them to really manage uh, not only the transition um, that they would have because they were industry professionals and now they are teachers. So that transition and helping them to to really navigate that. Uh, But my other position, which is the coordinator of special programs, really deals with uh, promoting our career technical education courses and recruiting students um, throughout our county to come to the Thomas Edison experience. And that experience being, um, you know, really hands-on for the most part. Um, So of course we have our own challenges in terms of uh, really dealing with the virtual learning for that. So just kind of helping them to transition um, that learning and and still being able to do performance-based tasks at home um, while uh, students are actually coming um, you know, just online to do it versus in person. So, okay. Well, the video that I did select on this uh, in the schools that I chose, it sounds to me like watching this was right down your alley. So I'm going to like step back and let you take, yeah, I saw you taking some notes. Um, what were some plus deltas and some real big takeaways you got from this video? Um, well, I think 
uh, one of the big things is that um, the collaboration that they encouraged and not only collaboration from teacher to teacher, but there was collaboration overall with all the stakeholders. They talked about parents, they talked about students, they talked about um, teachers. So it was across the board. It wasn't just one particular group of people. And I also think that their encouragement of teachers to collaborate with each other is really important. I was just reading an article, I think it was yesterday, um, in terms of how the national teacher organizations talk about how the success of teachers is determined um, by their ability to collaborate with others, um, specifically, you know, teachers who can teach them how to reflect and um, to really um, think about their best practices in the classroom. And so because that collaboration brings that synergy um, for teachers to really get better, to improve and to become, I think that collaboration itself really causes an energy of positivity to come forth. And so I think they really kind of galvanized the teachers and the stakeholders around what they were trying to do, um, which really helped to make this um, really a well thought out plan in terms of, you know, where are we going with this? How are we going to proceed with this? And how can we make this successful? Um, and I, I love the fact that um, the superintendent was talking about how, you know, we've got to really invest in our understanding of these teacher leaders and what they can bring to the table. I love the fact that he talked about creativity. I think creativity to me is one of the least um, talked about in terms of how it's a powerful element, um, not only in terms of teaching students about creativity, but even teaching teachers about creativity. Um, and then going a step further to teach leaders about creativity. I agree with you. It is all wonderful stuff, this webinar and what he's doing over there. So we're going to take a look at that in a little bit. What is it that you have noticed that your school district has done since the school closing in March of 2020? We were not really prepared for uh, what took place and how long it took place. What kind of things do you think that were not addressed? Well, first of all, we also had such a delayed reaction. When they called the end to schools and we knew on March the 16th that we would no longer be going to school. At that point, they knew by all of the reports, they knew by a lot of the scientific um, you know, evidence, uh, the experts, the national health officials, they knew that it was getting very serious. We can't take anything for granted is what I'm, I'm seeing. Like even though some people are, are safely trying to go back into that classroom, there are a lot of, of different um, just, you just don't know. You, you can't predict. It's, it's unpredictable right now. You don't know how it's going to go. Some people, it may go fine. Some others, it may not go fine. So you still have to have these precautions. You still got to, you know, take the measures that you have to take to protect yourself. And, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of teachers also are frightened. So where do you think that, you know, the decision should be with the school districts? Well, one thing I think that they should think about is, because of this extraordinary circumstance, I think that there should be um, some type of special consideration. I do not believe that any teacher should be forced to go to work in that environment. 
because again, we're talking about these are professionals. They can do their job at work and they can do their job at home. The other thing is, is that when we talk about um, how hard it is to get teachers in the first place. Wow. And then the last question I have here on my interview uh, list of questions before we check out the school in California is um, what are the, what are the most important considerations for teachers, parents, and school district officials in a decision to reopen? Because we, you are currently at a school district right now that's virtual. It's completely 100% virtual. Yes. Um, so what do you think needs to be some important decisions, considerations in a decision to reopen? And do you think it is likely to happen before January? Officials need to make sure that their plans are effective, safe, and they consider all stakeholders. As school districts across the country prepare for back to school using either all digital instruction or a hybrid model, one concern of educators is the question of how to effectively build relationships with students in a virtual setting. At the Annie Eckloff Institute, we are committed to providing media-rich, teacher-centered, one-to-one or small group online support so your students thrive. At Annie Eckloff Institute, Presenters use virtual training that includes embedded scaffolds and supports for teachers. Maximize interactions with your students and the rigorous school curriculum, all within a robust online platform that you yourself learn to create. Learn the basics of virtual instruction. Learn strategies to maximize live content with increased engagement using your teacher toolbox and technology. Shine in your professional learning network. Show your interest in knowing more about our services and programs. Schedule a presentation, a virtual visit, or virtual training for you, your peers, and your school. You owe it to yourself and your future success. Register today. Go to annieeckloffinstitute.net or call us today at 240-200-4222. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll be glad you did. Well, that, that ends the questions. Are you okay to go ahead and um, look at the what's going on in the school in California and making some comments, professional comments on it? Sure. This is the second day of a two-day webinar about how two districts successfully navigated distance learning during school closures and are now deep into the fan planning phase of the next uh, next iteration. One is in Watsonville, the heart of agriculture of coastal Santa Cruz County. The other is next to Disneyland. What they have in common, though, are effective communication with parents in the community and a culture of collaboration with teachers and staff that enabled both districts to move decisively and collectively into distance learning. COVID-19 is uh, right now, and it's not going away for a while. And of course, COVID-19 has exposed a lot of the inequities that we're seeing the kids demonstrate about. We need to really um, 
draw upon the intellectual capital within each of our school districts, namely our teachers. We, we're not talking about making decisions that are reckless. We're talking about making informed decisions based on the information you know, but also understanding what you don't know. And that has been the world of COVID-19. As you guys know, every day it seems like something is changing. The governor saying this, the president saying that, and we're having to navigate this with our respective counties, Office of Education, and, and we're, we're forced to uh, really um, be nimble in order to uh, survive this. Is there sort of uh, uh, inclusive decisional uh, capital that's happening at my site? And each of these levels is, is based on trust and vulnerability. You know, I, I really get tired of, of hearing um, people just sort of, you know, uh, kind of outdo each other at some of these meetings and convenings, and then it's not really authentic. You know, um, if we're going to deal with these problems, we have to be honest about what's working and what's not working and where the gaps are so we can um, so we can really address the gaps rather than um, just pretending that there are no gaps and everything's fine. Not only at the district level, between departments, like one of the things that we found was that our departments were not uh, cohesive, right? So it's like, who's, who, where's the tail wagging the dog? And um, that, that takes a lot of vulnerability for people to really break down those communication barriers. So generally, when you go to uh, uh, admin credential school, it stops your, your education and your training stops at that first and second level, talking about the school site and then talking about your relationship with the district office. Oftentimes, you don't get the third level, which is really um, a, an important level, especially now. Those are your relationships with your community partners, including higher ed partners, community college, CSU, UC, private schools, also your the business partners as well, business and nonprofits, and religious institutions. And the last one, of course, is in terms of leadership, is to try to see above the horizon what's coming next. And so we can cast that way. What you talked about was really interesting. How did it translate into how you approach distance learning, what we have now in the district? In other words, how did the nimbleness, how did the system-wide approach? And, uh, can you point to decisions you made that reflect this approach that you took? I think, I think it's, um, it's based on relationships, individual relationships. Just curious how you reached the um, expectations that were district-wide, expectations for, for student performance and also expectations for teachers. So I, I can answer this one, John. So Now entering the conversation is Dr. Jerron Freed, the Assistant Superintendent of Schools as of 2016, Anaheim, California. We have been fortunate that um, we have very strong relationships with our, our union leadership and associations. And we, before... Uh, COVID-19, those relationships were strong. We already had strong systems and structures in place that allowed us to do that work with the same level of high expectations moving forward. So on March 13th, when, when our world was turned upside down and we were now forced into this distant learning process, um, because those systems were already in place, as Mike said, the relationships were there, uh, became very um, smooth in the way that we were able to translate or transition. The one thing that we wrestled with prior to COVID-19 is we, we were constantly asking ourselves as a district and our stakeholders, um, how are we preparing students for college, career, and life success? You know, what is the world of work going to demand of our students? 
And as we were thinking about these questions, this became our driving factor in terms of how we designed and developed our approach really to teaching and, and learning. Our kids love our schools and they love our teachers. And I think that was really clear. Um, they were craving um, the opportunity to interact with our staff. I, I would imagine that's probably consistent across the state, right? That, that um, it speaks volumes that will serve grades, uh, students in grades seven through 12. It was inspired by Oxford Academy, which you know is in our district. It is the number two in the state of California, the number one ranked school in, or in, in Orange County. Um, and because of the work that I mentioned, Mike had mentioned previously with our drivers, this transition is, although it is work, the, the lift was not as heavy because we had so many things already in place. Now, like a traditional campus, the course offerings is still broad and rigorous with different experiences that we'll be able to offer our students based on the needs of the students. All of our experiences are aligned to the A through G requirements. Uh, so they're all providing students at that base, the level that they need to be UC or CSU uh, approved, right? So they can still get into those types of institutions. Now in our highest level experience, experience one, this is our most aspirational experience. A student at CBA could not only be A through G line, but they could also graduate with 26 transferable credits because of our dual enrollment program. They could also get the seal of bioliteracy because we're going to be able to embed world languages into this experience. And by the way, a shout, a shout out to our uh, English Learn uh, Multilingual Services Department. We had over a thousand students this year, despite the fact that we're virtual, get the seal of bioliteracy. And it also allows students to become a CTE or career technical education pathway completer with potential AIM experiences as a result. This school offers tremendous flexibility. Again, not just flexibility with the internship and being allowed to work or even do an internship during the day so they can take their schooling maybe in the afternoon or in the evening, but even the flexibility in the way that we teach. If you think about a traditional teacher that has to differentiate their instruction, that, that can be challenging when you have 38, 40 kids in your class and on a virtual setting, the way that you manage and give kids assignments and put them in groups, it allows teachers a lot of flexibility to differentiate their instruction. As Mike said, Part of the PD that we're doing is around the national online standards. So it embeds these elements so our teachers are primed and prepped and ready to provide these differentiated experiences for our students so they can be successful. Who teaches at the virtual uh, uh, school that you're offering? So these are all teachers that are, are from within our district. We're only hiring internally. Our teachers are the ones that are trained. They're the ones that um, already know our kids and are familiar, like I said, because of our e-learning program. We're hiring from within. What, what portion of the student body do you anticipate doing this? Well, again, there, there's no, there's no test, testing in, so it's open um, to all students, including special ed and English learners. Um, I, I think, you know, I, for the audience, and especially admins or people that are put in position to make sort of this pivot, I would encourage you to really uh, to think about it because you know, that's the final question in terms of what comes next, right? And there's a lot of sort of trepidation from um, our friends in the, in the unions about, you know, there's just going to be this online Bill Gates sort of driven uh, world, right? And so therefore we need to resist it. I, I think that's the wrong strategy here. I think that we need to uh, learn and embrace and uh, create our own models and not wait for uh, an outside group to come in and impose a model. That's why we need to have the courage to untap the talent of our own 250,000 teachers in the state of California. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm thinking pragmatically, Mike, um, if uh, you are to open uh, in person and you have large classes, it seems practical that in fact, it's a benefit to have students who are doing this virtual school 
because of the sheer numbers and how you're going to do it, and you can talk a little bit about the difficulties in doing a hybrid and the logistics of it, this certainly is one option too, I would think. Right. So I was um, uh, just curious, I wrote about today the, uh, the budget and there's specific money that the governor's planning for learning loss. About $22 million by our calculation would come to the district, which should be spent by the end of the year. How do you plan to address that? I think, I think that's a tough question because it's still, this is a traumatic event. And we, we of course, we know that the uh, public and the parents are concerned about kids falling behind. Um, this is why we are uh, creating a model that's standards aligned, that's very supportive for teachers. We're doing the teacher learning walks, but we're also gonna bring in parent learning walks as well. Parents are real concerned about the quality of education their kids are getting. We want to assure our parents uh, that what to look for, right? And uh, basically holding all of us accountable for, and, and we're all in this together. Uh, we cannot, as public uh, education leaders, we cannot afford to have parent uh, confidence drop. And that's the big concern because this is a, a train wreck, right? With, with the budget being cut uh, tremendously and everybody's waiting for the feds to bail us out. You know, um, this is why we, we've got to create a system that's gonna be accountable, but not a gotcha thing. We've got to unleash the, the, the talent that's in, in, the, in the, the building. And that's what we're trying to do. The Cambridge Virtual Academy is the one that was started before the pandemic. And they were, I guess they, the prime time to see that it works, whether or not it works is now that we have a pandemic. You have to continue to evolve in that creativity. You have to continue to use it, to grow it, for it to become what it needs to become. And I think what I really love about it is that he never said, the superintendent on the video never said that I'm looking for a pat answer. He said, I'm looking for the innovation of the people I am investing in, mm. for them to rise up to my expectation. He was asking them to bring the innovation into the room, to bring that to life, breathe that into the instruction. So that way we have something here that will galvanize us around this and make us able to move past this obstacle. So what we have to do is transform. We've got to transform. And that's what they're talking about. Downsides to our, you know, your current situation with school, the school district was that they didn't start early enough. You said right. that the planning. So these guys started early. And I think what they did was they, they planned it out so that then they can decide if the situation doesn't warrant this particular strategy. We got two others to look at. We have two other strategies to look at. And so I, that's why I chose the, the, this particular um, school um, video um, and wanted to share that with you so we would have some in interesting things to talk about. So what, what's your prediction for this school year, upcoming school year? <laughs> well, as far as our district, I, I can see us trying to attempt to go back um, in January because I, I, I really at this point don't believe people are gonna be able to withstand the pressure from some of the stakeholders. Um, unfortunately, instead of it being about students and their safety and teacher and their safety, 
I don't necessarily believe that that's going to be the driving force. I think it's going to really be who's the loudest, who's going to be um, able to, you know, cause problems for the district. Um, and, you know, that's going to be something that they're going to allow to weigh in. Unfortunately, um, because even others have seen this, I don't know, um, there have been articles and some other uh, things that I've seen recently uh, that show that there are a lot of people who are really disheartened by the political nature um, of our system. So it, it, it's really, it's really bad, I think, that it's going to be a decision that they make that's really not necessarily going to be based on all the things I spoke about earlier, like considering all stakeholders, you know, um, taking them into account with special considerations for coming back in person, um, with, you know, maybe even some better understanding about, you know, the safety precautions and the staffing they would need, and then considering all of that. I, I would really want actually for the district to just stay online the whole entire year. Mm -hmm. That, that would be fine with me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that would happen. And it's unfortunate. Maybe with this after November 3rd or November 6th, whichever day that is the election day, I think it's the third. Maybe, maybe we'll have more clarity on, on <laughs> what our options can be. Um, hopefully, you know, it'll flip not just in the highest seat in the, in the country, but in other seats as well, so that people can come together on both sides of the table and, and make some joint decisions that are bipartisan that will allow us to, you know, continue to fund um, yeah. online, virtual, if we need to. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to think, I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to mm -hmm. be positive. Okay. And I am going to, you know, hope that things turn out in November for everyone to make some other types of considerations for them to be able to have something to work with. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Carlton. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. And um, we'll be looking out, be looking forward to touching bases with um, the Cambridge Virtual Academy and sharing that information with you and all of our listeners. Thanks again for listening to the podcast uh, we have today, The Tea and the Toast with Dr. Carlton. Join us for any of the Annie Eckloff Institute podcasts available on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. The Family Forum with Suzanne, Courtney, and Jocelyn. The Tea and the Toast. Topics that interest everyday people. Digital Escape. Highlighting the best in education technology and good old-fashioned teaching. 